everyone. Welcome to episode 63 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we are glad to be back together. Yes, we are. Chris yes. has been to the opposite side of the United States and back since we saw each other yeah. last. Yes, we Laura and I went to L.A. to visit with our friends, Kristen and Aaron, and we took a red eye, which is something we don't normally do. I just really don't like them, but it's the only way to get a direct flight, yeah. at least from Hartford to L.A., so we took the red eye, and coming back, there was the California time change. There was also the daylight savings time time change. So I'm having a hard time getting yeah. back into my East Coast sea legs, as they say. So, yeah. But it was a great visit. More yeah. to come on that. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to hear. I, I enjoyed following it on uh, <laughs> all of your social media posts, all your pictures. Yeah, so here we are. We're back at our usual recording place, yeah. a.k.a. Emily's house. Or as I'm lovingly referring to it these days as the hovel, because I haven't cleaned it in weeks. It looks great. I would call it the Hobbit house. Yes. Well, the sun's not shining today. It's very gray. And when the sun comes out, that's when the horror music comes on, because you see all the dust (laughs) (laughs) that's accumulating in all the corners. So so. if we sneeze a lot, you'll know why. Yeah, exactly. So a couple of little housekeeping things before we start our regular segments. Um, we just wanted to do a shout out to listener Tressa for her donation that she sent to us. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was we lovely. so appreciate it. And we appreciate you sharing your experience in Chicago. It's great to know you had a wonderful time there. Yeah, she she sent a donation with a letter that told us about a recent trip she took to Chris's old stomping grounds. Yeah. So thank you, Tressa. And congratulations to Renee, who was the winner of our giveaway copy of Hum If You Don't Know the Words. And reminder that we're gonna, that's our next read-along, mm-hmm. which we're going to discuss on December 7th. So if you have any questions or comments, let us know by the December 6th. December 6th, yeah. And there's also read-along topics on our Goodreads, Goodreads page. Yeah. So even if you're listening to this episode in 2020 <laughs> you can still go to the goodreads and pipe in on our read-along pages yeah so because a lot of things might not exist by 2020 but probably amazon which owns goodreads <laughs> will still be around yeah no worries there that's for sure <laughs> and i have a burning question yeah it's a snarky question yeah but is it possible to actually unsubscribe from the book of the month email? I don't get the book I of the month I have unsubscribed from them like five times, and I keep getting book of the month emails. I don't get it. Really? Okay. Well, actually, no. I All don't right. remember ever getting that. So yeah. the answer, in my opinion, is yes, but maybe I never <laughs> subscribed to it in the first place. Oh, my gosh. So. I'm just like, hey. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So we'll see. Hey, if anybody knows. I'll start keeping it tally, and we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the snark begins. No, I'm just oh my kidding. god! I'm going to be so conscious about laughing because I listened to our first episode. Because you have a funny thing. Oh right. About that, but I was listening to. It, I was like, oh my god, we need to put like a a warning on our website saying, you know, avoid the first episode until you've listened to a few more and actually quote like us. Because right. <laughs> we we laugh in most of the episode. But what Chris is referring to is I got to my gentleman caller's house this week. And he was listening to the first episode of the Book Cougars on half speed. <laughs> and you, most of you who have listened for a while know that when I listen to things, I usually listen at 1.5, one and a half speed. Yeah. I'm talking about slow, half speed. So and I walked in the door and he turned to me and said, I've been listening to it for an hour while I was cleaning and it 
is so funny because our laughter is slowed down, obviously. We sound like we've had one too many. Yeah. And we're just slurring our speech. It's hilarious. So funny. I'll have to try that. So maybe that's what we should put on it. If you're going to listen to episode one, listen to it at half speed. Half speed. <laughs> I say if you if you ramp it up too fast, we'll sound like hamsters. Which, yeah, you know we're halfway there sometimes. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, everyone needs to laugh. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things I do with you, Chris. Good so. for the soul, right? So, what are you currently reading? Well, speaking of the soul, I am reading Eat, Pray, Love. I am on chapter ninety six of one hundred and eight, <laughs> and I've paused. I haven't picked it up for a couple of days because I was listening to Trevor Noah. And I have to say, like, you know me, like you, I get on a plane, it's like book in hand. Mm -hmm. And I read. And I was really looking forward to the long flight because, you know, lots of reading. I, for the first time in my life, did nothing but watch movies. Wow. (laughs) It was either eat, pray, love, or watch a movie. I ended up watching three movies. I was like, holy crap, that's never happened. Did you watch on the red eye too, or did you sleep on the red eye? Well, no, I sl- I kind of read on the red eye. I actually did read some Eat, Pray, Love on the red eye okay. coming back. But I, on the way there, I had watched those three movies. Got it. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's very different. It, yeah, it was. Kind of weird. So anyway, yeah. Eat, Pray, Love, that's happening. How about you? I am reading Kitchen by Banana Yoshimoto. It's this mm. tiny little book. I think it's a bit of a cult classic. I haven't gotten very far into it. It was first published in Japan in 1988, so I'm a little late to this party. (laughs) And I got it at a used bookstore, which I'll talk about when we talk about our recent Biblio adventures. But it's, you know, got a lot of food in it, which makes me really happy. Yeah, and it's better late than never. That's right. I'm also reading Starting from Scratch, A Different Kind of Writer's Manual by Rita Mae Brown. Yeah. The font is really weird. Hmm. Look at this font. Oh, because it's a library. Look at that. Isn't it a weird, uncomfortable font? It is. It's kind of curly cute. It actually makes my eyes hurt. It does make my eyes hurt, too. My eyes hurt. My eyes hurt. My eyes are hurting. So I'm actually thinking about maybe getting the e copy Mm -hmm. so I can adjust that. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Hmm. I also am reading Florida by Lauren Groff. This is her book of short stories. Yeah. This is another one I feel kind of late to the party because people have been talking about this one forever, Mm -hmm. it seems. But um, she's the author of the novel Fates and Furies, which was about marriage from two different points of view, a husband and a wife. I guess I shouldn't say I'm late to the party. This was published in 2018. (laughs) It's still 2018. Oh my God, that is so funny. I feel like... That book's been around for a couple years already. I know, because people have been talking about it, seemingly. I read the first short story, and I loved it. Um, She also wrote a book called Arcadia, which I really liked. Mm. I skipped Fates and Furies, because even though people wax poetic about it, I don't love to read about unhappy marriage. Mm -hmm. I want to read about happy relationships now. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, um, more to come on that, but this is uh, a set of short stories, not a novel. All right. Excellent. Yeah, happy relationship stories are probably a hard sell. <laughs> I mean, people want the drama and the pain to help them understand understand their own yeah. stuff, maybe. Yeah. And, and people will always say, like, a happy relationship is more like a fairy tale. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, relationships are work. I do believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But I guess, I mean, what I think people really enjoyed about Fates and Furies is is that it's told from the two different perspectives, which is unusual. I mean, usually it's one person's perspective. And so I get that point of it. And I also get that the point of it is 
we can all have the same experience, I'm using air quotes, but experience it differently, right? right? You can have a conversation with somebody and you hear something totally different than they hear. So maybe that's what that book's also about. Yeah, right. I don't know because I haven't read it. Yeah. yeah. I'm also reading a book called The Craft of Research. Mm. I have the original first edition that came out in like 95, I think it was, which I really enjoyed. It's from the University of Chicago. Yeah, 95. And so I was at Barnes & Noble the other night just kind of wandering around and I saw it's the fourth edition. It came out in 2016. And I just thought, I, I would like to read that. Because, you know, reading Rita Mae Brown's book about writing has got me back into thinking more about writing and yeah. research. And I, I love to read updated editions of well-loved reference books. I think that could be kind of neat. Do you, yeah. When you read it, an updated version, do you look for the differences? Or does it is it just kind of a, a, a re reminder of what it was originally You know what, it's just kind of like a reminder, and in this case, kind of a maybe a sharpening of my skills, because I would like to start doing more research again for my own joy and edification. That's what I love about you, Chris. (laughs) But I did happen to look at the table of contents just to see, and just the first thing that I noticed was in the first chapter, section 1.1 in the 95 edition was why do research. Mm. And then section 1.1 in the new edition is, what is research? Oh. So I thought that was an interesting change. And then there's also a new section in the latest edition, 1.4, called Writing is Thinking. Hmm. So, which I was looking back in my 95 edition, I, I had highlighted passages about that, that, you know, writing is thinking and thinking for yourself. You're thinking for other people, too. And that's one reason to do good research. It's also, I mean, just writing in general, when they talk about journaling, that's a lot of what they talk about, that it's a way to think, think your thoughts, mm-hmm. if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, you really think through them. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. And I've, I've noticed with myself, like if I put a timer on and say, I'm going to write for 20 or 30 minutes about X, Y, or Z, whether it's a personal issue or something I'm thinking about, by forcing yourself to write for X amount of time, you really come up with different connections in your head that normally, like if you're just sitting there pondering, you may not have come up with. Hmm. But by making yourself sit there and write, and by making, I mean in a joyful way. (laughs) I have this image of you with like a huge, um, what do they call those things? The, the, the time pieces with the yeah. sand in yeah. them. I'm sure it has a name. You, yeah, the, there was a name for those. I don't remember, but yeah, you can one that's so big you can hear the sand. I mean, wasn't there a, wasn't there a scene in The Wizard of Oz with one of those, mm-hmm. like with the monkeys, some yes. scary scene? That's what my mind is ringing up when you talk about that, and you turn it over on your desk and you're just scribbling away as the sand moves through. No, that's one reason I like fountain pens because it's a joy to write with them. Mm. Yeah. So, but yeah, nice. anyway, I, that is, uh, I won't go back and forth between those two editions a lot, mm-hmm. but, you know, just flipping through my highlights of the first one and now reading the, the fourth edition, things pop out like, yeah. oh, okay, I see how they changed that. And that's the same because actually it was, um, three people, Wayne Booth, Gregory Colomb, Joseph Williams wrote the first edition They've since passed away, mm. those three writers. So now there are two new writers who revise this, Joseph Bizup and William Fitzgerald. Oh. Okay. So all five writers' names are on the, the fourth edition. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so if you're into reference books, I highly recommend it. Right on. The other one I'm currently reading is Poetry Will Save Your Life, a memoir by Jill Bielowski. 
I found this book at a bookstore yesterday. I love it. Now, I made the mistake then of going on Goodreads after I bought it and reading some people's reviews, and mm. people had a few snarky things to say about it, but I don't think I'm enough of a poetry aficionado. That's probably not the right word. I am a poetry aficionado. I'm not enough of a poetry expert mm-hmm. for some of the things that they were complaining about. Okay. But basically, it's a, it's a memoir that she wherein she uses poetry to tell stories about her life. And since I'm such a memoir fan and I love poetry, I'm very excited about this book. And I started it last night, and I'm loving it. Very cool. So, yeah. I like the colorful cover. Yes, it's a beautiful cover, which is part of, admittedly, what caught my eye mm-hmm. in the bookstore. Yeah, yeah, it's a stack of books, of colorful books, and each word of the title is on the spine. Yeah. Little yeah. book. Nice. Oh. did you just read the only thing i have just read is born a crime by trevor noah which we'll be talking about in a later segment how about you yes that's our current read-along i finished mr flood's last resort by just kid i've mentioned this a few times already on the podcast so i won't get too carried away but this i i am in a book club with some people i met through booktopia we call ourselves the bi-coastal book club because we live all over the country but i was very confused by this book and I was really hopeful that when I talked to everyone they would shed some light but some other members said it was really confusing which just made me feel better Mm -hmm. sometimes when I read a book and I'm confused I'm convinced that dementia has finally set in (laughs) and my reading life is coming to an end (laughs) or my reading life will just be much more interesting because I'll never really understand anything (laughs) but it you know it's funny because in England, the UK, some people got a copy of that book and it was called The Hoarder. Mm-hmm. In the United States, they published it as Mr. Flood's Last Resort. And we all agreed that the title The Hoarder, or even talking about the fact that it's about a hoarder, is kind of misleading mm-hmm. because that's really not what this, the book is about. Mm-hmm. It's about a caretaker named Maud who goes to help take care of this old man who does indeed live in a house with things all over the place because several scenes she's digging through his very important shite, you know, to get to be able to make him a sandwich or whatever. (laughs) But it's actually a mystery, which Mm -hmm. surprised all of us. And also there is this whole thing where Maude, the character Maude, has kind of like special friends, I'm using air quotes, that are, what are they called? Saints, famous saints. And that got so confusing to me because I couldn't tell if they were real characters in the book or if she was losing her mind or what was happening. And so the only hint I would give if you read the book, although I think the UK edition doesn't have this, but my edition does, in the very back, and I'm someone who never flips to the back of a book, like I actually get physically uncomfortable and start sweating if someone... (laughs) Next to me reads the last chapter, which several people I know do. But in the back, there's a reference guide to the different saints. Oh. And I think had I read that before I started the book, it would have made a lot more sense to me. It was almost like a little bit of a character map. Yeah. Oh, that's surprising they didn't put that in the front. Right. You know how, like, in the front, sometimes they'll actually have, like, family trees or something Mm -hmm. like that? Like, I think it would have been... Yeah. It would have been interesting. Hmm. So... It was an interesting story. It's funny, like laugh out loud funny in certain parts of it. I did, even though it's the English version, there were a lot of British terms that I found kind of confusing, but I just went with it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But it was 
the whole book was I was confused the whole time I read it. <laughs> That's all right. My very but you read it. Yes. You stuck yes. with the whole thing. All right. And then the other book I finished was Ohio by oh. Stephen Markley. This was one of the books that was the editor's book buzz at Book Expo mm-hmm. in the spring. So we, we got arcs of it. I started it back in September before I the week before I was going on vacation and I was like this book is so dark it is not going on vacation with me mm-hmm. and then I wasn't sure I was going to pick it up again and then several of my friends whose reading tastes I really respect five starred it Allison Law of Literary Atlanta said it's her favorite book of the year so far wow. And my son, Jacob, who I had sent a copy of, said, but mom, it's so good when I said it's dark, you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I picked it back up. It starts out, the very opening chapter is a funeral procession for a young man who died in the war, the Iraq war. And it's an empty casket, which gives you some insight into, you know, what happened to him. Yeah. So that just gives you just the beginning opening of the darkness. So it's, and then it's essentially, it's told from different character point of views, but unlike lots of books where it goes back and forth, the different chapters, it essentially turns into like four novellas that are from different characters' points of view. And these are all kids who grew up in small town Ohio, the Rust Belt, you know, where the opioid epidemic is rampant and they are graduates of the class of 2003. So it's kind of post 9-11. So there's also the, you know, the theme of the war in there because kids enlist to go fight in the war. Mm. Um, But then it it takes place more in current day, I want to say maybe 2013 or something like that, Mm -hmm. where they all kind of end up back in the town on the same night and each of the novellas kind of rolls into the other where they intersect with each other. Interesting. And there's, then you know, the thing, you know, full disclosure, I grew up in a very small town, less than 4,000 people in southern Ohio. Mm-hmm. So it was very familiar to me. And there are always, you know, a cast of characters in small towns. And there are people who high school was, was the pinnacle of their life they were you know the quarterback on the football team and they had big dreams and Mm -hmm. it didn't go the way they planned you know I mean there are also people who have great success in their life I don't want to paint it all I know but some people peak early right they say yeah so this book definitely deals with those themes and there's also this thing and this is me totally projecting you know where you know, in small towns, there's a lovely part of a small town where you don't have anonymity and people help you and support you in your life. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that is you don't have any anonymity. And if things happen in your life, it's shared by the entire community yeah, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, you really literally know everybody. When I was recently home just a few weeks ago, and the very first person I saw when I drove into town was someone I knew. Because you know everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, they all just get a little older, just like you, you know? But you know about them from preschool on. You know about their parents and their grandparents. You know, you know who had affairs. You know who died. And, you know, again, there's a part of that that's really lovely because you can support each other. And then there's a part of it that's very complicated. Yeah. 
And I think that Mark Way deals with that so well in this book. Mm -hmm. His writing is stunning. The subject matter was very hard for me. So I think that's full disclosure for me also is that I don't, I really struggle with reading about, particularly when, you know, we're all one common humanity, but when we mistreat the people in our lives in horrible ways, I don't enjoy reading that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I also have a really hard time reading with drug abuse and things like that. So there were parts of the book that were very difficult to me. There were parts where I really had to do just a little bit of skimming Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to read all of the details of a character's demise, Mm -hmm. you know. But he also does, there. there's a chapter with a character um, whose name is Dan Eaton, who's one of the kids that goes to the war. And I think is I think he re-ups three times. So he's both in Afghanistan and Iraq, mm-hmm. I think. I've, I've got that right. And I think it's a very realistic picture of what that means for somebody, mm-hmm. you know? And he particularly talks about how close you get with the people that you're deployed with. And I thought that was an interesting parallel to the closeness you have with people in a small town and mm-hmm. particularly the people you've grown up with for a long time. You right, know, they yeah. are foundational people in your life, just like your family, yeah. you know. And I think that's a lot about what the novel's about also. So I know people who have absolutely loved it, and they are people who have a tendency to enjoy darker material, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, well, you make yeah. it sound really tantalizing. Yeah. I might read it uh, in, next summer when it's sunny outside, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly well written. There were times, I don't know what it would be like to listen to it, because there were definitely times when I read something and I was like, oh, I have to reread that just mm-hmm. for the language, well, you know? Yeah. So, um, and do you know, is that his first book? Do you know? I know. I, he wrote a nonfiction, I believe it's a memoir. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, this, I believe this is his first novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's his, oh, Oops. shoot, dropping books everywhere. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, he wrote a memoir called Publish This Book, The Unbelievable True Story of How I Wrote, Sold, and Published This Very Book. Wow. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Kind of, isn't that what they say, meta? <laughs> yeah. Very meta. <laughs> And then he wrote a travelogue called Tales of Iceland, oh. which sounds really good. So, and it is available now. It's out. Um, it came out in August, the end of August. So, Ohio by Stephen Markley. Now I need to take a nap. Biblio Adventures. Yeah, I went to two bookstores. Should I cover oh, yeah, that first, and then sure. you can take us along on your major trip to L.A.? Yeah, that sure, sound that sounds good. Um, I had a day in New Haven with my gentleman caller, and we went to Book Trader, which is... You and I have stopped there once before. Mm-hmm. It's a used bookstore in New Haven. It's been there forever, and it is such a fun store to just give over an hour or two you know his literary section is great i stood on one of those rolling you know what do you call those things that they have them at the libraries too those little rolling footstools yeah and i just went from shelf to shelf because so much of it you know i was cracking up because jim's a foot taller than me and like he just reads along at a different (laughs) and i'm reading the lower shelves and i was like i want to see what's up there you know and so i got one of those and i just went from shelf to shelf and um, that's where I got that book, Kitchen, 
by um, Banana Yoshimoto. Nice. It was really fun. And then I finally got to that bookstore in Weathersfield. Right. Yeah, you posted about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool little shop. Tell me about your experience. I really loved it. It's a sweet little shop. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's in a part of Connecticut I had never been to. And it's well lit. Like, it's all windows in the front, which I really liked. And they had some fun sidelines. I bought a really cool card. I'm always looking for fun cards. And I bought, that's where I bought the Poetry Will Save Your Life memoir. And I talked to one of the owners. Nice. And I asked her how it was going, and she said it's going well, and they have some book clubs going. And um, she did tell me that the day before, a gentleman had come in with three kids and said, This is a place where I can leave my kids, right? Get out. Are you <laughs> she serious? was like, uh, no, oh my God. <laughs> this is a retail store, you know, like a grocery store. You wouldn't leave your kids. Jeez Louise. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I know people used to do that at Borders. And really? We had to, we tried to, you know, not let that happen, but you yeah. know, that's child abandonment people. Yeah. Don't do it. And I know people use the library for that a lot, which is, you know, it is a safe place for your children, I suppose, but. I wonder I wonder if there's an age about that. Like, what is the age? One of our listeners wrote in and told us that I think 12 and under, you cannot leave your kid alone in the car. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder if there's an age for that with the library. We'll have to oh, find that's out. that's a good question. Because I know, like, middle schoolers always go to the library alone after yeah. school. Yeah. But... Well, in my yeah. old hometown, the, the library was right across the street from the elementary school. So mm-hmm. after school, it was just like... All the kids went to the elementary school. I mean, to the library. To the library, yeah. And I could just see the librarians were... I mean, I think, again, I love libraries, and I think it's a wonderful meeting space, Mm -hmm. but it was kind of stressful for them, too. Oh, yeah, I bet. Okay, so back to the bookstore. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) So they had a really nice local section, which actually this poetry book was in. So I meant to look and see. She must have some background of living in Connecticut, the author. I always go to a local section because I think it's so cool. She had a, a really cool display of Connecticut books, including this one that I'm interested in called The History of Food in Connecticut, mm-hmm. which I paged through, but I didn't buy it. But I might go back and buy that one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and has recipes and all sorts of things. Oh. And she has a great YA section. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. her specialty. Yeah, and yeah. she said they they have a really active um, young I, adult book club. That's cool. I should say I, that's not her specialty. That's one of her main interests. That's what I should say. I don't want to mislead people by yeah. saying. That's the store specialty, but it is a good section. Yeah, yeah. it's a great section. And then also she loves um, thrillers, she said. Mm. And so we, we had a good talk about that. And we should say, like, she, I, I think it's is it Karen. Karen, I'm sorry, Karen. Because Karen and her daughter yeah. are the co-owners. Right. And she's an Air Force veteran, yes. Karen is. So, like, if you want, well, this will post after Veterans Day, but yeah, if you want right. to support a woman-owned, veteran-owned business. That bookstore. There you have yep. it. And you can call her and talk to her. She'll order for you. You can... You know, support your local independence mm-hmm. or even your not local independence. I know a lot of people don't have a local bookstore. All bookstores now are happy to ship. Right. They do it every day. They put books in the mail. Mm-hmm. So so that was really fun. Those were my two cool. Biblio I'm adventures. Glad you made it. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Nice. Well, yeah. So in LA, we had a lot of book adventures. It was a lot of fun. One of the main things we did was we went to Harry Potter World, and I'm it so was jealous. so much fun. <laughs> so it's there at Universal Studios. We've heard that that is a smaller Harry Potter World than the one in Florida. 
But, I mean, it's amazing what they did. In the, it's a pretty small footprint. Uh, but, you know, you walk in through the gates and there's Hogwarts up there with these great gargoyles guarding the entrance and everything. Um, and there's a ride you can take where you're sitting four on, a, on the, the unit that moves. And you're facing out, so you're sitting four in a line. So you can't really see your friends that you're with unless you lean over. And you're going, you're moving, but it's also screens kind of coming at you and projecting things. So it's like you're following Harry Potter on a broomstick. Oh, how fun. Yeah, and you're, you know, going to see the dragon, and and all the characters make an appearance for the most part, except for Voldemort. Hmm. He is nowhere mentioned. And Harry Potter, Potter world there. They're afraid to be too scary, maybe? I don't know. I thought that was really fascinating. So if mm. any listener knows about that, that might be fun yeah. to, to learn about why Voldemort isn't hmm. mentioned at all. So that was a really fun ride. We did it twice. Because like, <laughs> we actually got there super early, like just before it opened. So we, we did that ride twice because I thought it would be fun to, to catch the, the details. You know? Yeah. But what's really neat is the lines get hugely long. But when you're snaking through it, it's like you're going through different scenes of the movie. Oh. So you go through, like, Dumbledore's office and a lab, um, the the hall with all the pictures and the moving stairways. They they do a great job with those pictures, you know, the, the paintings and stuff that talk and yeah, move yeah. and all this stuff. So that was a really a fun thing. I think uh, if you're stuck in line, yeah. you don't really feel like you're, quote, stuck in line because right. there's so much to, to look at and... And they just did such a nice job with so many little details because then outside of that in the town, Hogsmeade is... But, you know, you walk around, there's the the wand shop, the bookstore, all of these different shops. And they have... You can buy wands that are programmed to work with some of the spells. So when we got to Kristen and Aaron's, they had a wand there for Laura, as well as ties and Gryffindor ties and all that kind of stuff. So we all (laughs) went and decked out a bit. So they, they have these little circle things embedded in the ground in front of a store shop window that has the, the wand incantation and then how to flick your wand. Mm. And so that was fun. So you can make like the feather move riding and, and just other, you know, neat little so things. Cool. We saw a wand fitting happen, which is really nice. It's a smaller show where you walk in. It's, I don't know. 20 people I'm not sure and you see they choose a kid to be fitted for a wand well, and I, I really like that the woman who did it did an excellent job and she cho- she chose a, a kid who was a little bit older so she might have been like 13 or 14 which is kind of cool because so often they always go to the littlest kid right. in the room so I, I thought that was kind of cool and I had my first butterbeer how was the butterbeer that was going to be my only question for you I know uh it was <laughs> really surprisingly good was it and they were all surprised because so we went for to lunch and the food was really pretty decent at this place um and they've all had butterbeer before and didn't think I would like it at all because I'm really not much of a sweet person I'm more mm. of like a salty crunchy kind of snack person so I took a sip of it and I was like it's oh, kind of interesting you know, and then we're eating, and I, I took another sip, and, like, all of a sudden, like, I felt like I could have chugged the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting, interesting taste, I have huh. to say. I'm dying to know what it is, it's, of course. You but... know what? I think, you know, it really does look like beer, and it has a layer of foam on top that I think is made with some type of marshmallow uh... to keep it white and foamy like that, and there is that 
little tiny hint of marshmallow. Interesting stuff. So I almost drank the whole glass, which is surprising. So that was kind of good. Then we did some of the other, the the whole Universal Park and did the tour of the sets and things like that. So that was, it was really a fun day. That's really cool. Yeah, really good day. And then we also went to the L.A. Public Library, Mm. which, you know, having just finished Susan Orlean's new book, The Library Book, which is about the fire... Yeah. In 1986, um, at the L.A. Public Library, it was really great to go and, and visit. Yeah. The rotunda is huge. It's humongous. It's so big. It's gorgeous. Mm. And then um, I went to the literature section and kind of spent my time in there looking around. Um, and then they have a really lovely exhibit space as mm. well. With current exhibit goes through January something, I'm pretty sure it was. And it is about collections, Hmm. so different collections. And it was interesting. They had stuff of interest for everybody, I think. They had some of Tom Hanks' typewriters. Hmm. They had one, um, a woman who made these little scenes, you know, those little scenes that you make. um, There's a word for them. But they're small historical scenes with characters and background. When she realized that, she was a teacher, when she realized that kids in the public schools were not being taught African-American history, she decided to start taking her little puppets that she made and transforming them into these scenes. Is it like, like a diorama? diorama? Yeah, yeah, something okay. like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, depicting famous events in oh, African-American history, cool. which is cool. There's a neat display about gay club matchbooks. Oh, And wow. they had that in this big circle, with all the matchbooks kind of fanning out in circles. Huh. So from all the gay clubs, like in California, mainly around L.A., that was a neat thing. Hmm. Really fascinating. So if you're anywhere near L.A., and it's in downtown L.A., so people are always like, oh, God, the traffic. It's worth it. It's totally worth it nice. to go and see the L.A. Public Library. And then just some blocks away, it's a short walk, is the last bookstore, which was neat. We went there, and that was great to see. You always see people posting their pictures of visiting the last bookstore because they have some neat book art, like a book wall with a circle cut out of it where people take pictures and oh, like cool. kind of like a book tunnel. Well, so, I had to laugh because the day you posted your pictures of being there, I turned and Jim was wearing his last bookstore uh, t-shirt. That's he so has funny. One. Yeah. I would love to go there. Yeah. Wow. So that was neat. And so the, they have um, books downstairs and upstairs, new, but I think mostly used. Oh, okay. I, you know, it's hard to say. Downstairs, I think it was mainly new, maybe. And then upstairs, there's a lot of use. I, I could be wrong. I Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. But then upstairs, they also have an art gallery with artists selling their wares and also a yarn shop. Oh, wow. Yeah. They cover a lot of bases. They do. And it's a big space. Like, it's 22,000 square feet. Holy smokes. It is a big store. And it's like, they've been in a couple locations. This is their third location. Hmm. And um, they've been around since 2005. Hmm. So, they have a ton of books. And then we did hit another bookstore, Book Soup. Mm. which is in West Hollywood, right on the uh, the strip there. They've been around since 1975. And I... I got completely lost and sucked into their literary fiction Mm. section. Oh, my God. It was brilliant. So I look forward to going back there. I could spend definitely a whole day in that shop. And so I had less time to look around at the nonfiction. But they're known for um, their art, film, photography, and music sections. Mm. And I did, like, just going through, like, the, the music section, the bios... 
of performers. Wow. I mean, amazing. Well, they're in the right place for all oh, of that, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. So were you with people, when, when you say that you could go back, was it because, were you with people who weren't enjoying so much time in bookstores? or I was they... with Laura, Kristen, Aaron, and they're all readers, but they're not like people who will spend a whole day in a bookstore, mm, yeah, you know, and I yeah. didn't want to be, nobody rushed me or anything, mm. but I didn't want to be rude and right. suck up everybody's time, gotcha. you know, in that way. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but it was, it was a great shop and I'll, I'll definitely go back. I should say when I mentioned earlier, those three movies I watched on the plane, one of them, and the one that really tempted me to start the whole movie watching thing was the, uh, Mary Shelley. Oh, the yeah. biopic of her. Yeah. And I thought, okay, you pretty love Mary Shelley. So, <laughs> you know, Mary Shelley won that. It was a good movie. Mm. Enjoyable. So it's a documentary. No, it's a f- fictionalized account of her life. It's, oh, yeah, okay. it's actually like a bio okay. movie. Got it. Yeah, okay. Lord Byron is such a weird latch. So should we talk about any upcoming jaunts you have? Yeah, you know, there there's one author event that's on my radar. I doubt I'll be able to go, but it's next Wednesday, the 14th, at the Book Club Bookstore and more. Um, Kristen Tsetsi? Set, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her name. It's T-S-E-T-S-I, who wrote The Age of the Child, mm. um, which is a, a novel. And I, I talked to her because um, she was there at Independent Bookstore Day, there were a couple authors there, and Laura, my wife, was there right. with her, her workbook. So I talked with Kristen a little bit there about her novel and actually bought a copy that day. It's kind of like a it's a look at what if birth control and abortion is made illegal mm. in the United States, what would happen? Mm. She's actually going to be in conversation with another local writer, uh, Benjamin Thomas. Oh, yeah. So they're going to be there 6.30, book club, bookstore, and more on Wednesday. But yeah. it could be a dicey day for me. It's going to really depend on how my work day goes. Yeah. How about I, you? I have um, the same thing. November 15th, uh, I'm hoping to get to Bank Square Books in Mystic. There's going to be two authors in conversation, Cheryl Sukors and Jean P. Moore. Cheryl wrote a book called 48 Peaks, Hiking and Healing in the White Mountains. Oh. And Jean wrote a book called Tilda's Promise. Both of them sound really good. And I just am such a sucker for these author conversations. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. So, I'll go with you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could totally do Thursday. Okay. Great. Okay. Let's do Let's it. Do I, it. And we, I, we haven't been to either of those bookstores, Bank Square or, Bank Square or Savoy in a, in a while. while. Yeah. And then this one's a little far away, but um, you put this one on my radar. November 29th at the Guilford Library, Andre the III is coming with his new novel, Gone So Long. Mm-hmm. Um, I love his writing. He's the writer of Townie and House of Sand and Fog mm-hmm. and the short stories Dirty Love, which is one of my favorite books of short stories of all time. Um, he's quite suave and debonair. Yes, I was going to say, he's also easy in the eyes from yes. what I remember all the booktopians talking yes. about. Yeah. Yes, he's, um, and he's just really compelling to listen to. He's one of those people, I mean, I know his whole world, because he's, I believe he teaches literature, so his whole world is literature, but he can just quote all these authors. You know, I very much admire people that have brains that can do that, mm-hmm. you know. So he's always interesting to listen to. So that's at 7 o'clock right here in Guilford on November 29th. So should we talk 
Trevor Noah. Yeah, let's do it. Born a crime. So um, this is our read along that Bianca Murray recommended that we read Trevor's book because it's nonfiction. So it really sets the stage historically for what was happening in South Africa. Right. Kind of in the same time period as Bianca set her fictionalized. Yes novel right emily had asked bianca like what do you recommend a book for some background for us because neither one of us really know a lot about south africa and we thought it'd be fun to dive in and that's what she recommended and i'm so glad she did because i really enjoyed it yeah so it's it's interesting because it's really a set of essays it's stories that he wrote Mm -hmm. i believe there are 28 essays and it's really about his childhood in yeah. South Africa. It doesn't go through, you know, for those of you who don't know, Trevor Noah is a comedian and the host of The Daily, Daily Show. show I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah, I don't watch her show. I've seen some of his videos, mm-hmm. but I don't really, I'm not a late night TV person. So no, I have fallen asleep on the couch at 930 the last two nights. So that gives yeah. you some insight into my yeah. ability to watch But I've show seen some of his videos that, like, and he does really nice political commentary yeah. um, as well as stand up comedy. Yeah, so, and, yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of videos of the show as well, but I've never watched the show from beginning to end. Yeah. But this is a book he wrote in response to the fact that he has a lot of interesting stories from his childhood, mm-hmm. but as a comedian, they're not comedic right. in nature. And so he said people were approaching him and saying, well, why don't you tell some of these stories on stage? And he said, well, they're not really funny, right. you know? But he also felt like he was too young to be writing a memoir, mm-hmm. and it ended up as he sat down to start writing, that they were stories. And um, I watched an interview with him where he said it really surprised him when he finished, particularly when he was reading it, because he narrates the audio version, that it's really a love story to his mother. Totally. And they really kind of grew up together, Mm -hmm. because she was, for a portion of his life, a single mother. And then she ends up getting married, which came with its own share of horrors, dramas, tragedies, yeah. um, and but also brought him to half-brothers because she had two children with her husband, the, mm-hmm. her his stepfather, I should say. Yeah. Yes. And, and it is, it, it's really, I mean, he does build really good tension mm-hmm. because his mom gets shot in the head. Yeah. And yeah. so throughout the whole book, you're wondering, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen when? And right. I mean, some of the stories he tells are really harrowing because mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, he's a little boy during apartheid and his mom is black. His father was white. So he's what they consider colored, mm-hmm. which is mixed race. And he doesn't really fit in anywhere. And it's a- illegal for a white person and a black person to have relations right so that's that's the title born, born a crime. crime right and he talks about some really like the scene where she's in a cat and so there's also the tribal inter-warfare inter-hate that was nurtured by the white rulers mm-hmm. you know the whole divide and conquer theory Right, so there are different tribes, and one of the things that I found amazing about listening to it, and I didn't pick up the hard copy of the book, so I don't know what it looks like in writing, but to hear him pronounce things mm-hmm. with the tongue-clicking language yeah. was so amazing to me. Yeah. And he is fluent in many languages, is, which is yeah. something that actually really saved his life, literally, literally many times on several occasions, yeah. because he 
found that language broke barriers for him and really helped him to be able to, you know, turn around and talk to somebody who was threatening him. Right. And then, yeah. You know, he has one scene where he's walking down the street and these guys are talking in, in their language about how they're going to mug him because they assume that he speaks a certain language. And he turns around and he's like, hey, in their language, why don't we mug someone together? And they're like, <laughs> oh, sorry, dude, you know. And yeah. he talks about how language, more than anything, is what gives you identity and a sense of place. Mm-hmm. And in South Africa, he says there are 11 official languages of, in South Africa. He's like, those are only the popular ones. He's like, there's many more mm-hmm. languages that are not even on the radar Right. Officially. Yeah. But he does know so many. And he talks about how, you know, you can kind of, you can be with a group of people and there could be all these different languages going. You know, you ask in English and somebody replies in their native language. And then, you know, you kind of start understanding it from context and things, which I think is amazing. But I I listened to about 80% Mm -hmm. on the audio book. And then I did download the ebook. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy I did listen because while I was reading then that like 20% or so, you know, to hear his voice. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to a section that was in a non-English language, it's like, oh, I wish I could hear him pronounce that. Yeah, yeah. And he does yeah. accents so well. Oh, and like, even his his I'm sorry, I just no, interrupted okay. you. No. Well, even his he when he's speaking as his little boy self, yes. it was so cute because oh he God. used a different yes, you know, different accent for yeah, yeah for yeah. himself at different ages yeah. for his mom. Oh my God, I enjoyed just listening, but then the the content also is just so fascinating. Yeah. He talks about being in the hood mm-hmm. in the shantytown Alex mm-hmm. and how tight that community was and how every it made me think when you were talking about Ohio, small town Ohio, it made me think of that section when he talks about being in the hood, how everyone knows everyone mm-hmm. and how people may steal and and do things and try and, you know, I forget the word that he uses, um, but, you know, they're always, you know, hustling to make more money. Mm-hmm. But, like, rape, what did he say? Rape and another crime were two things that were unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Murder, I guess, probably. Right? Yeah. I don't, I'm not really sure. But then he talks about, too, how, like, if any mother comes up to you and says, can I send you, you say yes. Mm-hmm. Unless you're busy doing something else, you say yes to the mother, and she'll right. send you to go buy milk and right. bread or whatever she needs. And that I thought a beautiful point about a community mm-hmm. that's so tight like that. Yeah. I mean, as I said, you know, it's interesting how the how people are can be very supportive, mm-hmm. but it's also tricky. Like, I, I think an example of it in Trevor's stories are his the stepfather that he has is very violent, and he beats mom on several occasions and mom to her credit every time goes to the police station and there and then the dad strolls in and he's like I've got this you know and the police officers you know don't charge him with anything because you know he's he well, was a like car mechanic and had fixed a lot of their cars right. and, and it's also the the yeah the whole culture it's like well what did you do to make him hit you right why is he you mad know? at you right yeah. what did you do yeah. and yeah and and the thing is he didn't beat them all the time like, I think he says the first time it happened, and then three years later right. it happened again, but then it escalates to the point where really horrific things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, yeah the, the whole thing about that it's expected, that, like, you, you hit someone because you love them. Mm-hmm. And Trevor makes that point that his mother beat him, spanked him because she loved him and mm-hmm. wanted to discipline him. 
Whereas the stepfather beat him out of his own rage. Right, anger and, he said, and alcohol. Alcoholism. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, and it felt so different. Mm-hmm. So. Very different. Well, I, I did want to say, you know, we ha- we do have a thread on our Goodreads page, and people have been writing in a lot. And then um, our friend of the podcast, Kate, did send us a lovely email with her thoughts about reading it. And she said, and we've already touched on this, that an important theme of the memoir, of course, is race. And that race impacted every moment of every day of Trevor's life and negotiating it in this very complicated country because he was what they considered to be colored, which is mixed race. And his he grew up a lion's share of his youth with his mother's side of the family, which was black. And there was one scene where the grandmother was talking about how she, I think all of her, the grandkids got into trouble and she hit all of them, but she wouldn't hit Trevor because when she hits him, his face turns red. Right. And that was so frightening to her. She didn't know how to hit a white child. She didn't know how to hit a white child. And here he is, like, he's her grandson, you know. You know what? And one of the things about Trevor's growing up, and I, I wanted a little bit more, like, to find out more about his life eventually because he lived in a lot of different places mm-hmm. with his mom. So they lived in black neighborhoods and colored neighborhoods. And he, he spent time with his dad, who was white, every weekend for a while. Right. And and that's just fascinating to me, like the different living conditions. He's lived in houses and a shanty in a garage. Mm-hmm. He slept in cars for yeah. a while. He was raised in abject poverty. And some of the scenes of the food he ate yeah. were so upsetting to me. But see, this is the thing. Like, it's poverty. But then at other times, it sounded like they were really pretty well off. I mean, relatively. I mean, they, they had dogs. Mm-hmm. A lot of poor people don't have animals that they can feed. Mm-hmm. And he did have computer eventually mm-hmm. and things like that. So I wasn't always sure when what was happening. I think it ebbed and Because it wasn't linear. It's yeah. not a linear narrative. No, it's not. So yeah. sometimes things seem to be pretty good. And other times, like the scene I think you have in mind is when they're eating those cat- caterpillars. Yeah, they're eating caterpillars and um, like grass, spinach, Yes, spinach. and these and caterpillars, he said, are as big as your finger. Yeah. And when you bite into that, ugh. Yeah, it ugh. was very disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know me with food. I was like, no, I yeah. wouldn't want to eat that. And he had to eat it for a month until and he was a very little boy. I think he was like six, and finally he just broke down to his yeah. mom. Like, I cannot eat another dish of caterpillars, you know. Ugh. But, um, yeah. <laughs> the one thing that I thought was interesting, too, is that he kind of ended up living a life of crime a little bit to get right. by. yes. You know, he yeah. ended up burnt... Well, he, he shoplifted for quite a portion of time, which I don't think is unusual for kids of a certain age. I hate to say it. It's common. Especially candy bars, which is right. what they start right. shoplifting right. is the candy bars yeah. with but, alcohol in them. But, right. <laughs> but then he starts burning CDs and selling yeah. CDs to these kind of cab drivers that... Part of the way that they get people to, to take rides with them is that they play really good music right. along the ride, and that's how they kind of have a competitive edge, yes. you know? So he was very, um, what's the word? He, he was scrappy, you know? He learned to get by, and as I was reading it, I thought, you know, if I had the chance to ask him one question, it would kind of be, how do you 
how is it now for you to wake up as a very wealthy man? Mm-hmm. And how has this the how are these stories that you told these foundational experiences? How do they impact you on a daily basis? Yeah. Because one of the interviews I saw with him, they asked him, you know, during this period, the period that you cover in this book, did you have dreams? You know, like did you dream big to end up where you are today? Mm-hmm. And he said no. My dreams were simple. He said, I had three dreams. I had a dream that I would live in a house that had stairs because it seemed like it'd be really cool to be able to get a little distance from your family. (laughs) The second part of that dream is that the house would have an interesting view out its windows. And the third part of my dreams was that the house would have a refrigerator with food in it. Oh, yeah. You know, those are pretty basic desires. Yeah. And yet here he is waking up now every day as a very famous comedian and talk show host right you know yeah and he is writing another book just so everyone knows i reached out to his publicist to get details but i haven't heard back that's coming out in 2019 that is more of a memoir that deals with his young adult years Mm -hmm. because this one kind of ends i want to say like in his early 20s is my yeah i think so um because he he when he starts burning the cds and then he starts doing live djing at these huge street parties Mm -hmm. and and so you can kind of see like okay he's an entertainer right like he's growing as this entertainer and so you can almost see how that jump might have happened because in one of the sections he does mention that he's going around the country doing different gigs Mm -hmm. so you kind of get a sense of like okay so but how did he get to america and get his own you know how did he become the host of Daily right, show, like, and that right? book's supposed to come out in 2019. That's cool. So I'm we'll, totally we'll, gonna read yeah, that. we'll yeah. keep you posted on it. Yeah, um, yeah. I was I was mesmerized by it, and part of it for me is you know I'm really close with my son, and that's what really came out in this book was even though you know she his mother ends up marrying this guy that's you know, really problematic. Trevor and his mom are really close, Mm -hmm. you know, and they really, you know, she really works to create a human being that she can be proud of. Absolutely. (laughs) I love so many of the details. You know, he talks about one time when he'd walk in and say, hey, mom, and she'd stop and say, look at me. Mm -hmm. Look at me when you say hello. Acknowledge me as a human being. Mm -hmm. And I love things like that. And there was also a section when he was really young, when she was like, if you want to have a woman who loves you, this is how you have to treat her. And he was like, I have no idea what she was talking about. But I'll tell you, he understands it now. Yeah, that, you know? right, yeah. And I love, too, that like she pushed him out of the house when he yeah. graduated from high school. It's like, mm-hmm. get your own flat. Right. You're not going to be one of those 40-year-old guys living at home with your mom. Yeah. And he also got arrested at one point because of his misdeeds, and mm-hmm. she was like... I'm not getting you out. Go to jail. See what it's yeah. like. And I think that's an important thing to do, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if if you really see that your kid is aiming for a life of crime. Like, yeah. these are the consequences of those actions, you And, know? you know, I was surprised by how much he talked about his, quote, criminal activities. Mm-hmm. I mean, because at one point he does say, he's like, why would it be a crime to burn CDs if there's a CD burner? Like, right. you know, which mm-hmm. I remember having conversations with younger people mm-hmm. about that. Um, and I remember even like when I was in the military, there were tons of bootleg music mm-hmm. coming out. Well, all those royalties, as he says, he feels right. a little guilty yeah. now looking back because yeah. all those artists. Right. So um, I thought that was really kind of brave of him being in the entertainment yeah. industry to talk about how he 
<laughs> yeah, and maybe that's something he'll address more because that was another thing that Kate mentioned via also referring to Elizabeth who on Goodreads, her review, she's another booktopian. She said, you know, she was a little surprised that he didn't express some remorse mm. for his actions. And that didn't really bother me so much because I feel like in a certain way he was just, this was a book about reporting stories mm-hmm. of his childhood. It wasn't really that wasn't really the point and it wasn't really a memoir and I wonder if in this second book book which when I've read about it is being referred to more as a memoir if mm-hmm. he will deal with some of that yeah, I mean he did feel bad about you know burning the CDs eventually yeah. and, and people not getting their royalties for that but I really liked how he explained things as he went along that you know when you this is the world that you're in and this is how you think right. mm-hmm. and it's the classic argument that you go through in a basic philosophy class when you're talking about ethics and morals like Mm -hmm. if your family is starving and you get arrested for stealing a loaf of bread is there you know i right well one of the most common things that's stolen is diapers and i feel like you know i get it yeah you know so yeah it's it is it's something to think about it is yeah yeah. i mean i think you have different contexts Mm -hmm. for well situational ethics you've talked about that yeah quite a lot in the past you know so i didn't really feel because i feel like he explained why as he was going along yeah it didn't bother me why the thinking yeah it didn't bother me because i also felt like he was again being scrappy and mm-hmm. trying to and also being a kid and trying to fit in in a world that he would never fit into well mm-hmm. you know and just trying to figure that out every day facing that yeah you know who am i how do i fit into this world that is so that is so important and he talks about that at one point that when you're doing the hustle and you're living in the ghetto you don't have time to ask yourself those big questions mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. realized that I think when he got arrested, mm-hmm. maybe, is when he finally had the time to start thinking about, like, who am I? What do I want? Because, you know, when you're doing the hustle, you are hustling every day. And mm-hmm. as he said, he did this every day, and he woke up the next day and did it again. And, and a lot of what he was trying to do was eat, which exactly. is a basic need. Yeah. Yeah. Know? And the eating thing with the caterpillars, I mean, that's, I mean, he taught, I mean, I can see eating bugs. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he talks about how big and squishy they were and that their shit would burst in his yeah. mouth. And yeah. and then eating the smileys, oh. the boiled goat heads. Yeah. And then how the cheeks and the tongue were pretty good, but the eyeballs were gross because, mm-hmm. again, they kind of popped in your mouth and were like pus. So right. he does a great job of describing those small things. Which leads me to the second question I would ask Trevor if I got a chance to talk to him. What do you like to eat now? I know, because he went through a phase <laughs> where he was eating a lot of McDonald's yes, it, when he was making his own money. Yep. I wonder what he eats now. I'm, I would so love to know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the simple things, Trevor, that I want to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I totally appreciate it again, Bianca. Thank you for recommending yeah. this book. I'm so happy that I, I listened to it. Mm-hmm. I, I think reading it is great, too, but if you can listen to it. Yeah, another thing that a couple of people mentioned on the Goodreads page is that they went to try to get the audio version mm-hmm. and their library didn't have it, Have it, so yeah. they've requested it, which yeah. I always love to hear because one of the things that makes me warm and fuzzy inside is when I suggest a book to my library and they get it. Yeah. I always feel like, yay! 
Yeah. You know? Well, and one thing, one big revelation I've had this year is that I think every time I have a book now from another culture or about another culture, I might just go straight to the audio because I listened to Carnegie's Maid mm-hmm. on audio and it had that great Irish and Scottish accents. Mm-hmm. And then Drive a Sienna mm-hmm. by uh, Melody Winnowart. Mm-hmm. That was all the Italian pronunciations yeah. again. Like it really sets you there in a different way auditorily. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's a great idea. And, you know, just, you know, after our Summer of Little Women, I also think it's so fun to do these read-alongs with companion reads. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. loved reading Anne Boyd Rue's book. It just, to me, it just made Little Women much more, much more of a full, fleshed-out experience. Yes. You know, yeah. so... Thanks again, Bianca. <laughs> yes. Lots of lots of love for Bianca. Yeah, and thanks to everybody who submitted comments and stuff. We love yeah. that. Let's keep the conversation going on Goodreads. Yes. So we're going to change things up a little bit now. Instead of doing our upcoming Reads segment, because the holidays are coming, Chris and I thought we would mention a few gift ideas. Yes, we did that last year. And I think the year before, too, did we? I think so, because we're coming up on two years. We'll have to combine yeah. all of our gift ideas, Oh, that's maybe. a good idea. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. But we're not going to do that to you today. No. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to so. go first? Sure. So we have both talked a lot about being middle-aged women and having tons of eyeglasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that they're all over the place all yes. the time. I came upon this cute little owl eyeglass holder. That looked really adorable. It's from Uncommon Goods. So you could probably just, well, we'll put a link in the show notes. And I thought that might be kind of nice. Like if you do have like two pair of reading glasses to have them on your bedside, nightside table on your little owl. Yeah, because then you can find them. Yeah, um, and at least King, one pair. Like, one pair. Right? Well, I was just gonna say, <laughs> Ann Kingman, who is our, you know, our guru, our, our guru. She, she was an original <laughs> podcaster before people knew what the hell a podcast was. She just posted recently that she just bought four pairs of reading glasses, yes. and I totally get it because if you can't find your glasses, it is such a drag. Oh my god! So, and yeah, yeah, I saw. And one time, not recently, I even picked up a pair of glasses and tried to put them on, but I already had a pair on. <laughs> oh I'm yeah! Like, wow. Yeah, I've okay. done that. So yeah. So I love that idea because you could just have a pair that if you're if you're fortunate enough to have more than one pair. Right. Or if you use those kind of cheaper readers, you yeah. know, you could mm-hmm. just keep, if you had a stand like that, you could just keep it on your nightstand or on your desk or something. Right. And just always have it be, yeah. you know, try to be like, I'll put it back in the stand. Yes. And owls are about wisdom. Mm. They often go together with books. So, you know, nice. they'll be vibing on you. Yeah. Love it. Do we want to go back and forth? Should sure. I go next? Yeah, go for it. I wanted to talk about these, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Alibabet. Editions, little journals. Oh, okay. I got this one. I'm showing it to Chris. It's got these beautiful flowers on it. Russell and I, I think this was, we were not with you at Book Expo when we hit this booth. Um, and they have and Russell just, from Incomplete. I'm sorry, from the booth at Book Expo. <laughs> I'm getting a little <laughs> tired. Um, we stopped and both of us were just drawn to these. And, and the lovely woman who worked there let us each choose a little journal. And I chose this one with poppies on it because purple's my favorite color. Cute. And so I'll put a link in the show notes. They're available online. 
they're also available at different bookstores. If your local indie bookstore doesn't carry their stuff, mm-hmm. ask them They're to. little notebooks. Yeah. Did I not say I that? I don't know if you did or not. <laughs> <laughs> I was stunned by the design when you whipped it out. It's so, so beautiful. Yeah. It's cute little notebooks, and it looks like they're hand-stitched. Yeah, they have, like, little thread on the side, yeah. and mine is lined. Um, It has a little shooting star on each page, which I think is adorable. And the pages are numbered, which is handy. Yes. It's just beautiful. And so, again, I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll put a link to their website just so you can see all the stuff they carry. Cool. And then go to your local bookstore or shop for them online. And we should say at this point, like, we're not sponsored by any of these places. These are just things that we have come across that we like. Yeah. All right. Okay, so the next idea I had would involve some work. Oh. But I was thinking it would be fun to make a calendar for yourself or a loved one out of, like, their favorite book covers or author photos. You know, because there are those make-your-own calendars, like Vistaprint, Shutterfly, Zazzle. I think um, last year for our business, Laura made one from Vistaprint, and they they turn out really nicely. Yeah. So that could be a fun thing, like if you know someone who might really like that, or for yourself, you know, for maybe your reading goals or authors you love or authors you want to read. I love that idea. I love, you know, when we looked at our reading challenge on Goodreads at the end of the year last year, when when you and I subjected ourselves to having to pick our favorite books of the year... For those of you who don't know, I'm a little bit of a rebel when it comes to having to pick your favorite things. Yes. But when you look at your Goodreads reading challenge, it shows all the book covers, and it's so beautiful. It's like nice, I'd like yeah. a poster of that, mm-hmm. you know? So I love this idea of having a calendar yeah. with some of your favorite Yeah, I mean, because there are literary calendars out there, but yeah. I was thinking, like, how cool to make your own. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great idea. The other gift idea I have is it's a very new magazine called Unearth Women. And it's a feminist travel magazine. Pictures are beautiful. The writing is really cool. I got just the very first issue. It's called Resilience. It sold for $12.95. They are kind of limited, so I'll put a link into the show notes of how to order it. The second um, issue is available for pre-order. Mm-hmm. I think buying the first issue for as a gift, especially, you know, we are middle-aged, as we said. If you have a niece... That's, you know, in her teen years or a granddaughter, I think it would be a fantastic gift. Also, for any of our listeners that are writers, they're hiring writers. Cool. If you're a travel writer of any kind or want to write about strong women, the first issue that's called Resilience has an essay in it by Gloria Steinem, a travel essay by her. So it's a beautiful magazine. I highly recommend it. And their website's beautiful also. So, again, I'll put the link in the show notes to all of that. All right. Now, the next idea I had, this is controversial, I know, but I was thinking buy someone an e-reader. They're not that expensive, the Mm -hmm. introductory ones. I have to say, like, this year I've had a little bit of a love fest again with my Mm e-reader. I don't read a lot of books on it, but I'm getting more into getting them from the library, especially now that I have that New York Public Library card. Yeah. And I just think, like, as a person whose eyesight is changing... It's really nice to be able to change the fonts. Yep. I have to say, like, I was looking for some books late. Well, when I was at a used bookstore, yeah, I think when I was at the um, the last bookstore, there are some editions of books that looked really good, but the print was just, like, way too small. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was just an idea I had because 
I think some people are curious about e-readers, but they wouldn't buy one for themselves. Yeah. Or they think they won't use it, yes. and so they're a little hesitant to buy it. Yeah. I agree with the changing of the font, because I also like, like, if you're walking on a treadmill or something, you can put it into, like, two-inch size <laughs> font, which is really nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and now, you know, some of them have that. If you're doing audio also, you can mm-hmm. kind of sync it up and listen to both back and forth, which right. is one of my favorite things to do. So, yeah, yeah that's a really I, good idea. Yeah. I know a lot of people who would probably like it, but they would not buy it for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Because they do have that resistance to, like, I want the book in my hand. Yeah. And yeah. I want the book in my hand, too. I love yeah. books. I love holding them. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of convenience and just having that little thing in your purse all the time yeah you just whip it out whenever just whip it out yeah well (laughs) i find too when i i mean i do still always prefer to have a book in my hand but when i am reading something on my e-reader i take it with me more because it's more convenient yeah right yeah Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's true yeah well my next is kind of maybe considered a little goofy but the coloring book craze i don't know if it's still a craze or not when it became a craze, I bought a coloring book, which I never used, because <laughs> I was like, why wouldn't I want to be reading, you know? Call mm-hmm. me crazy. But what I did do was buy a beautiful set of markers. Yeah, nice. It's this 18-pack. I got it in the downstairs of that, I don't know how you say it. Kino Kunya. The Japanese bookstore that we went to together. It has 18 colors. It folds in half and snaps. Very nice. So pen I can, towel. Yeah, yeah, pen towel. I can throw it in my um, computer bag. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of sending cards to people. And when I use my markers and make my cards pretty, it just makes me all warm and happy inside. Nice. So Very nice colors. Just yeah. looking at them, too. It yeah, looks makes very you happy, happy. Right. And you know what? You could color and listen to an audiobook. You can. Yeah. I usually listen to audio when I'm, like, cooking or cleaning my house or taking a walk or driving. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not doing that, I like to be sitting on my booty and reading a book. Yeah. So, but, no, it's an idea. I know that Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally mm-hmm. say that they, they do puzzles a lot together, mm-hmm. and they listen to audiobooks when they're doing puzzles. Yeah. So That's a good idea, too. Yeah. yeah. So I, I see the draw. But the the fact of the matter is, I was a little. I had a hard time staying within the lines of a coloring book. I found it. I think the point of it is to be really zen, and I found it kind of stressful, which maybe is insight into my personality. I don't know. I'd rather do what Laura recommends and do creative journaling. I think yeah. with my markers. Oh well, yeah, creative journaling. That is a good segue. Yeah. We could recommend her book. Yes. For the holidays, mastering the art of self expression, a creative journaling workbook. Yes. That would be a good gift. Um, and Along that, with a set of markers. Right. Sorry, it could ahead. be a nice little combination <laughs> package. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put the link to that in the show notes, too, because that is a book. Um, her brand of creative journaling is it's, visual, it's a form of visual journaling and also incorporating words and images and cutting and pasting and all that good stuff. Mm. So, yeah. 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 Nice. Yep. Nice segue, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> a try. Um, the other thing I have to recommend is something that's very exciting to me. Friend of the podcast and author Shuli Kaywood has a new book coming out. She is the author of The Going and Goodbye, which um, she was an author spotlight on the book Cougars on episode 22. Mm-hmm. If you didn't get a chance to listen, go listen, buy the book. But she has a new book coming out, and it's 
a little book like this. I don't know what you would call that. Like a, it's like a, a pocketbook. Uh, yeah, it's smaller than a pocketbook. It's like a, a shirt pocketbook. Right. I don't. Th- I think hers <laughs> is going to be actually regular size. Okay. It's going to be the same size as Going in Goodbye, but mm. I mean that it's more of like a gift book. Oh yeah. And it's called Fifty Two Things I Wish I Could Have Told Myself When I Was Seventeen. Nice. And Shirley's a poet as well. So here's an example of. So there's obviously fifty two things. Number ten. People make promises they have every intention of keeping, but won't. This doesn't make them bad people. This includes you. I just love it. Nice. So it's not out yet. This is um, the first time it's being announced in public. It's going to be available starting on November 27th. Nice. And when it is available, I will put that link into the show notes. Excellent. And we'll have Shirley on, too. Yes. Shirley yes, is going to be on, it. hopefully, on our next episode Excellent. to talk about the book. Very cool. I look forward to reading that. I did really enjoy The Going and the Goodbye. Yeah, you know. I did, too. Um, so I have a couple other ideas here. Uh, one of them is to get a complete set of books of a favorite writer. Mm. So, you like, if you know your kid or your somebody... <laughs> Love, say, Jane Austen or Louisa May Alcott or the Little House on the Prairie books. If they don't already have a complete set, to get them a complete set. Because, like, I know, like, our Jane Austen is all over the place. Every book we have is a different edition, you know, from a different Mm -hmm. publisher. Yeah. So it would be nice to have a complete set of that because they look nice on the shelf. And it could be older books because you can get onto, like, a books or something Mm -hmm. and find, like, a a good vintage set. Mm -hmm. Or these newer. Look at the new edition of Harry Potter. Like, those spines are an image. Yes. And you see that a lot now with sets where the spines make an, make an image yes. on, on the shelf. I thought that might be kind of fun. That's a great idea. And then, you know, like, you've got the Harry Potter, too, where they've got this 20th anniversary edition. Right. You could get the whole set of those. And I know for some people who are Harry Potter lovers, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. You could also get the whole set of Louise Penny. You could. Inspector Gamache. Yeah. She's still going, though. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's the hard part about that's that. That's true. And that's that sucks true. big time. When, like, you are, you have all of these books, and they keep coming out, and then the publisher changes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, they're not going to match now. Yes. So, <laughs> I'm usually not that hung up about it, but I know some people who really like a certain vibe on their bookshelves. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's it can be challenging. Yeah. Well, if the person isn't type A, yes. then I'm just saying you can. Well, that's a good segue <laughs> into my other idea, which was which is, not was, um, <laughs> getting a book for somebody in a foreign language. Okay. So my daughter Rachel, who's fluent in Spanish, when she was learning Spanish, she was a huge Harry Potter fan and she would buy the Harry Potter books in Spanish. That's right. So um, if you have a kid who's trying to pick up another language, that's a really wonderful way for them to learn. Or if you are trying to learn, a lot of people Mm -hmm. will watch television in a language or put their movies, subtitles on a different language. Mm -hmm. But reading is a really good way. Absolutely. Yeah. And they do have some editions where it's like English on one page, the original Mm -hmm. language on the other, which can be distracting and Mm -hmm. or helpful. Yeah. Very cool. Good idea. So another idea I had was... For somebody who you maybe don't know that well, is a literary candle. Mm, I love that idea. Because um, I've been seeing them online more and more, and in some gift stores, too, where it could be a candle that smells like old book, or a candle that smells like library, or, you know, they have the candles um, that are like the 
high votive prayer candles mm-hmm. with like I have one with Virginia Woolf. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, you can do something like that because they're kind of fun. Some of them are more elegant looking, some of them are a little kitschy, cartoony looking. So for whatever vibe you're going for, you'd be able to find that. Yeah. That might be a good That's a great idea. For coworker or something. Yeah. Well my last one was book cougar swag. Oh yes. <laughs> book cougar swag. We have a Zazzle store, which we have talked about before. It has mugs and tote bags. So if you're interested in a little book cougar swag, the mm-hmm. the mugs have really cool quotes. Yeah, quotes but, from different authors. Yeah. yeah. So I'll put a link in the show notes to our Zazzle page. And if you want to treat yourself to a quote that we don't have, let us know. Send us the quote and we'll make the mug and have it available for you to buy. Yes. So you can get a customized gift that way. So that is our 2018 holiday recommendation segment. Yes, the holidays are upon us. I would, you know, it's funny because I was in West Hartford this morning driving around and I was like, is it too soon? Are we going to, is there going to be a backlash that we're mentioning the H word already? And then (laughs) In front of the Noah Webster Library was a huge decorated Christmas tree, and I was like, well, I guess not. Yeah. It is after Halloween, after all. Here we go. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's it, I that's think. That's it, everybody. Yep. Happy, Happy reading. reading. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.